Dr. Rina here. I'm a global dental specialist and founder of RW Perio, located at 75 Harley Street. Welcome to season three of my podcast, Life and Smile, where we talk about everything dental, lifestyle, business, and much more. Every episode, I'm joining conversation with a specialist expert in their chosen field, who gives us a behind-the-scenes glimpse into their daily regime, career turning points, and an insider look at what they can't live without. As a businesswoman myself, it's so inspiring to hear how people have built their careers and shattered those glass ceilings. This third season is sponsored by Colgate. Committed to sustainability, they're obviously a household name, and as a dental expert, they're my personal fail-safe go-to to ensure my smell is always looking and feeling its healthiest. So let's get the conversation going. As a renowned editor for British Vogue, Lauren Murdoch-Smith has the final word when it comes to everything lifestyle, beauty and wellness. Having worked at the title since 2014, she is currently holding the title of Vogue's Acting European Beauty and Wellness Director. Highly celebrated for her work across the industry, she is often writing from a personal and lifestyle approach. Lauren, welcome to Life and Smile. Thank you so much for having me on. And wow, what an introduction. Um, like I mentioned to you before, this is the first time I've done this. So um, yeah, it's it's kind of, it seems strange to be on the other side. Yeah, no, it's such a pleasure to have you here on Harley Street. Um, so let's rewind and start um, back at the beginning. So how did, how did everything begin? Um, I kind of fell into the industry, which is I think uh, how a lot of people end up where they end up because I think when you grow up you don't well particularly when I was growing up there was never that um person at the careers fair that said you could go and work at a magazine you know right. was, that was always something that I enjoyed looking you know I loved magazines like yes. my mum was very much into beauty and so I always knew I loved that side of it but no one had ever said to me if that's what you're interested in you could go and and do that if you wanted to. So um, I got offered some work experience uh, through a friend who didn't want to let an editor down. And she had managed to secure some, uh, I think it was two weeks at Marie Claire. And um, and she said to me, would you mind doing it? And I just thought, yeah, I'd <laughs> love to do that. I'd love to go and see how, you know, the pages are put together at Marie Claire. Because Marie Claire at the time was such a I mean, it still is. It's changed a lot. But at the time, it was really like um, at the top of its game. And so I went and did the two weeks and I met the most incredible people, um, Nicola Moulton being one of them. And I enjoyed it so much. I basically said, look, when I have more time, I'd love to come back and, and spend longer. And it was at the time when internships were how you got into the industry. Yes. And so I went back and I spent maybe six months there and she actually gave me the opportunity to write my own page. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have my name in print. Like it was just the most incredible feeling and I'll never, ever forget that. And I'll never, ever um, forget how an amazing, you know, how much of an amazing opportunity it was that Nicola gave to me. Um, and it kind of just rolled on from there. So from there, I went um, to work on reception at Marie Claire and I was there and I'd help out with beauty because it was such a brilliant role in that if they knew you were interested in a particular department, they'd let yeah. you help out there as long as you did all your other uh, duties, <laughs> like sorting out the post. Um, and then from there, it was that we were actually in the same building as InStyle. Um, and I went on to do the reception uh, placement there and I helped out with the beauty there and at the time they used to do uh, 
the beauty awards I don't know if you remember it came in like a separate book and it was kind of a bit of a bible for me in particular and I helped out with that and I absolutely loved it and then um Nicola left Marie Claire and she went to Grazio was when it first started and within six months she gave me my first proper job as beauty assistant there and I worked my way up to beauty editor at Grazia and then I got my job at Vogue so quite a long (laughs) explanation there but um, yeah it it was it was really down to well I guess hard work but also you know people really gave me the the kind of like foot in the door treatment um and and I really really appreciate every step of the way yeah no absolutely amazing and um but I mean from where you started to where you are now and you're still enjoying enjoying your career just as much I guess as when you first started I guess it's really nice because you kind of I can see from your journey so far like everything you've done you did it 100% if not more like when you were at reception you were doing other roles do you find that really helped what like because I find if someone's really putting in the work, you want to give them opportunities. Do you feel that was quite a, a game changer rather than just sticking with your roles going above and beyond to make that, that happen in terms of opening up those doors? Absolutely. And I think, you know, someone now that um, is an editor, if someone volunteers to help you with something, you know, everyone's time poor and, you know, there's never enough um, resources. So, to have someone go and do that, you're going to stick in their mind, yes. um, particularly when it's um, a subject that they really enjoy. You, you know, you always you're always going to excel in this, aren't you? Yes. So um, that that just came naturally to me, and I'm really like grateful that people gave me that opportunity whilst I wasn't actually working in their department. So yeah, like it's it's really important, I think, to kind of get known by the people that you want to end up working in the same industry and because our industry is so small that it's really helped me just from a kind of like progression point of view and or you know some of the people I've worked with have gone on to do the most incredible things um and we all kind of circle back and see each other every now and then um Zana, who I also worked with at Marie Claire, she now lives in New York. She's got her own beauty brand. She presents on E Entertainment. Like, but she's so humble. Like, whenever she comes back, she always puts in a coffee with me. And yeah. I and I was just her intern. And I just think that is That's so such nice. a yeah. lovely part of our industry. And I don't know if you feel like this, but yes. that's something that I've always said to everyone. Like, beauty is kind of a bit of the um uh it's oh what's the best way to put this (laughs) you know fashion is is you know the the glitz and the glamour and and I think beauty is a bit of a hidden gem in that um once people get into it they're like oh actually right beauty is an incredible industry everyone's (laughs) so lovely like everyone wants to help each other out there's a constant evolution with beauty whether or not that's the positions that are created that's you know the, the trends, the products, the development, the research. There's just so many, it's multifaceted. There's right. just so much going on and we cover so much. I think it is a bit of a hidden gem that people don't realize. Right. They're a bit like, well, what do you do then? And, you know, <laughs> I could sit here all day and talk about all the different things I've done or, you know. Um, so I feel really lucky that I fell into it. 
That's amazing. I guess having that supportive network where people are trying to help each other, it just makes everything so much easier. And at the end of the day, everyone just does better together, I guess. Um, so your impressive background has seen you involved and responsible for an output of a vast edit of subjects. And you just mentioned, you know, you could talk about so many different things. Um, but what would, what would you say are your personal sort of favorite subjects or pieces that you've really enjoyed doing that stood out or had a really big impact? Yeah, I, that's a difficult one uh, because I have I've been lucky enough to do so much. But um, I wrote a piece fairly recently, actually. Um, so I think it, first person pieces are they're kind of the easiest, but also the hardest. Yes, because obviously you're you're not having to go and research with someone else. You're it's all from you. But then actually putting your words on paper that are more personal than than anything else is very difficult because you obviously want to make sure you get it right. But I wrote a piece just actually before the pandemic about feeling invisible because I'd hit a life stage that I really felt like something had shifted. You know, I got children. Um, I felt like I wasn't, I was, I was, I was a mother and I was a wife, but I wasn't me. Um, and I think it really resonated with a lot of people. And, um, yeah, it was something that, I was encouraged to write by Kathleen Bear Murray, actually. Um, and I'd pitched it and then I thought, gosh, why did I do that? That's really like, <laughs> oh, putting myself on the line. But I had so much response because I, I right. post about it on Instagram. And perhaps it was just kind of like the right time and everyone else was feeling the same way. And But I had so many people say that they right. felt it felt exactly that, that they were kind of like just drifting along but didn't feel like themselves. And maybe it's it's a part of being a woman and you hit that time in your yeah. life when everyone feels like that and it's just the way of dealing with it but um yeah it was that was definitely a piece that kind of stuck in my mind and I'm so glad I wrote it um even if like it helped one person feel yes. a little bit better about themselves I think you know Instagram is great at showing you the the good side the good side of of a person and what they get up to and so many people say to me oh my gosh you know you look like you have the most glamorous job. Like I saw what you were doing last week. And then I just think I need to show more of the, the you know, the actual. Full 360. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Because the majority is really like boring or, you know, me tearing well, my hair yeah, out yeah. whilst the children are running riot. Um, <laughs> and I think, yeah, I, I kind of need to practice what I preach, I guess. That's really nice. I think having that genuine voice and telling the story as it is, People love it and they appreciate that. And it takes a lot of um, guts to go out there and, and, you know, in your own words, speak speak the truth. So, um, no, absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, so the, both the commercial and editorial landscapes, they've developed quite dramatically over the past decade. And I guess you've seen it right from the start of your career um, to where you are now. Um, but what would be your proudest career point to date, would you say? It's <laughs> going to be such a cliche, but getting my job at British Vogue. Yeah. I think when I first started out, you know, Vogue, and it still is the place, you know, that, that you want to work. Um, and I kind of just always had it in the back of my mind. And people would ask me, where do you want to work? And I'd say Vogue House. <laughs> and it was almost like this mythological building. Yeah. Um, and now <laughs> I'm there. And yeah, it's still to this day is a bit of a pinch me moment because 
it is an incredible place to work and just the kind of history of it is just incredible um and the opportunities that we're given yeah because the brand is so well known and is so amazing and people the brands trust us with with yes. it so there's an element of responsibility but also a, a, it's still such a pinch me moment for me so I have to say that just because <laughs> to look back and think wow I worked at British Vogue you yeah. know one day I think it will never lose its its gloss and its kind of um authority no for sure what about any kind of life goals that are st- still on your agenda um do you know what I've always said I'd love to own a brand yeah whether or not that's a makeup brand or a, some sort of wellness uh, brand, there's, I don't know what it is. I can't pin it down, yep. but it, it, there's definitely something. There is something in me that wants to do that. Yep. So I'm hoping that an opportunity, I th- yeah, I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. But I'm I feel sure you if will I make it, it out happen. there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Once you said it, that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> so you mentioned um, obviously when you were uh, in school and then you got the internship, etc. At that time, there was no clear career pathway, um, kind of an editorial landscape. If someone was starting out now, what would be your advice to them? And I know you've you've said obviously putting the work go above and beyond. Is there anything else you would kind of say to your younger self now if you were starting off? I think because the landscape has changed so much, you know, you've got the digital voice now. So I would recommend anyone that wanted or wants to get into uh, the industry to just start writing, to start writing a blog, putting everything down, because that's experience in itself. Um, And that wasn't really a thing when I was sort of starting out. And I think that is such a, a great way to just kind of realize what your strengths are um, and what you're interested in as well. Because, you know, there are certain subjects that I'm like, oh, I'm not so good at writing about that because I'm not as interested in that. And I think it's a really good way to kind of pick out what you want to uh, focus on. So I think knowing that is such a strength, like knowing what you enjoy writing about or what you're interested in um, is really valuable. Uh, So I think if you can figure that out, it will help you sort of focus you, on yeah. what and guide you exactly on what you want to do in terms of like writing your writing is incredible how did you learn did you just learn from experience on how to write well I know it sounds like an odd question but it's a, it's such a important but quite difficult skill to be able to write yes so. um I did a lot of writing at school I did all like essay subjects so I think that that helped just from a kind of like experience point of view um I liked I'm very I'd like I I think my writing style is quite simple in that I like to be quite chatty and informal um I think learning a voice you know through whether or not that was at Grazia or um or Vogue you know that's something you do have to hone and you know there's great editors there like I I've experienced amazing editors at at, at both Grazia and and uh, Vogue so I've been really lucky and and there's, you know, there's nothing wrong in asking for help. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, it, t- it does take a while to kind of get those skills. I, even now, like uh, sometimes I have a real like writing block and I'm like, mm. almost I have to walk away and think, okay, I'm going to approach this differently. And I always read other people's copy and I'm like, gosh, that's so smart. Like I would <laughs> never have written it like that, but I really love it. And I love reading other um, editors' work. Right. Um, and now uh, stepping into... Um, 
the acting wellness and beauty director role, I'm getting to edit people's work more. And I'm loving it. I'm loving reading, you know, um, the raw copy and, yes. and seeing how other people approach things. Because everyone writes differently, sure, which is yeah. why it's such a, an, an incredible skill. Is there like an editor who you've always turned to to, to check your work or anyone you'd, you'd admired um, earlier on in your career? I, I mentioned Nicola before yeah. and she, it's funny because uh, both Jess Diner and I have worked with her and uh, we always say like, what would Nick do? Like we need to get a bracelet <laughs> that says, what would Nick do? She always had the right answer right. Um, and her writing is, is incredible um, and she's always been a great um, mentor, you know, for me. Um, and yeah, I feel like I could probably ask her for advice because uh, yeah. she's got such such great skill and um and experience and in terms of sort of bringing the topics now to your day-to-day routine you mentioned about children Mm -hmm. work um and in your new role etc how do you I mean what firstly what keeps you inspired because every time I meet you you're super smiley 100% energy it's it's um really inspirational and also you're kind of managing family life and balancing all of that quite effortlessly with your career how do you keep going? Like what inspires you and how do you keep that routine? Well, it's definitely not effortless. I'll tell <laughs> you that. Um, you know, I'm so lucky. I have such an amazing support system. Um, my husband, Ben, I have to mention him because he has always encouraged me. He's always said, if there's anything you ever want to do, you just need to do it. Um, and you know, that works the other way as well. <laughs> um, And, you know, I have help with the children um, and we've got family around us who are super helpful. So I have to really kind of put my hands up and say there's a lot of stuff in the day-to-day family life that I don't get to do. Um, You have to be quite organized, you know, laying everything out the day before, things like that, really simple sort of organizational stuff. Um, But yeah, in the kind of like day-to-day running of the house, I'm not really involved that much. So sort of looking back to the the sort of glossy Instagram I feel like there needs to be more of a kind of like you know what I have help like please don't think that this is like a normal a normal thing um and you know anyone that is at home looking after children full-time like I just don't know if I could do that I think it's such a commendable thing so um I feel like I've almost got the um the kind of easier mm-hmm. end of the deal you know I get to finish a coffee and I get time on my own right. um and maybe that's why I'm smiling because <laughs> I need that um yeah. but also I think I'm really lucky that I love my job um and I think that that sometimes isn't um recognized as an important yes. part of your career I yeah. think you know obviously I'm lucky that I do and not everyone can um I'm sure you do you're always super smiley um, <laughs> whenever I walk in and see you um and I think yeah that's something that people forget that I think that's know, such an important point and um you almost take it for granted that you enjoy what you do but the number of people who don't and they wake up in the morning mm. and like oh god work it's I mean, and, you, and unfortunately, you spend most of your life working. I know. Um, so it's so important to enjoy what you do. And if you don't enjoy it, then maybe think about something else. Exactly. And I think some people are so scared, aren't they, to change career? I, yes. You know, it's never too late. I just literally on the way here, I was reading about, um, I think he was a 78-year-old guy who's taken on an apprenticeship in a wow. um, with a <laughs> rail company. And I just thought, well, why not? So you know, it's really yeah. not too late. Yeah. You know, do you work to live or work? 
uh, no, what's live to work. Live yeah, to yeah, work. Exactly, work to exactly. Um, but no, I, I, and I think you probably feel the same. You clearly love what you do, um, and you're giving back as well with your teaching. And I just think it's, yeah, it's really important. You don't want to look back and think, God, I've just spent no. 35 years. No. Most bored, maybe it's, it's going to be longer actually, isn't it? <laughs> We're not retiring anytime soon. Exactly. Um, no, I think that point actually on trying to give back and help others earlier on in their career, um, like you, you, you had and I similarly had help in the in initial stages. It's it's really rewarding and it's nice to watch people develop and change and get those jobs that they want to get. And it's um, that keeps you going as well. I think you can only do that if you really like what you're doing as well. Um, so sustainability, let's talk about that because it's become a word that's uh, so often used sort of 360 in the industry. Um, how have you kind of personally embraced it, both um, in the industry and kind of personal life? Because it's become such a big thing. And I know in dental, um, everything was trying to be sustainable, even like as a lot of our patients will mention about the incidental brushes they're plastic and they don't want to use them so we've got a whole recycling scheme um and i'm sure in the beauty world it, that's a, it's a big thing so um yeah tell us more in terms of how the focus has shifted for your readers as well yeah i think there's definitely um a big group of um people that want to try and make a difference i think at the end of the day you still want those little luxuries and you still want yeah. to um enjoy the products that you were buying but I think brands are starting to realize that some people are purchasing a different brand because they offer a better sustainable approach yes. and you know there's some really really big brands out there like Dior and um, Guerlain and Estee Lauder that are really they're setting a, t a timeline for themselves as right. a company to make sure that um, you know all of their products are refillable for example um and so I've seen a massive shift in say even just the last two years right. in um products you know that's one of the first things that comes in the information it's you know right. it's vegan it's clean it's recyclable um or they're putting on a program where you can come and you know yeah. get rid of your empties um I think there's still a lot more we can do um but I think we're being held back by just packaging for example you know yes. choosing a sustainable packaging option yeah. is expensive and you know people don't want to pass that on to mm. um the purchaser so uh, yeah it's it's an interesting subject and it's changing all the time even you know things like uh ingredients you know people want to know where it's coming from so they're looking right. at sort of like blockchain technology to show people exactly uh -huh. where their ingredients are coming from which I thought was quite interesting yeah. um I think it was Clarence that were speaking about that last week and um it's quite interesting to see that kind of like fintech coming into, into beauty, beauty yeah. which is great um but yeah I think um I know I try and make better choices um and I'm always trying to recycle I think until it becomes effortless and you don't have to think about it too much that's when we're going to you know actually make yeah. a really good difference I mean I don't I, for example when I look at flossing now yeah. I definitely choose a more kind of um sustainable, sustainable yeah. option yeah no for sure I think it's hopefully going to be part of our normal we're thinking about it more so it wants it to be like a subconscious choice as such exactly um, so we always ask our guests um three things that would either find at your desk or in your handbag as part of your sort of mini survival kit so um to put you on the spot but what, what would they be for you 
Um, oh gosh, it's going to be really boring. Um, <laughs> lip balm always, yeah. always lip balm. Um, Any favorites that you have? I love Lano lips. Um, I anyone that will listen, I'll tell them how amazing it is. <laughs> I use it on lips, uh, like on the children's. You know, if they've cut themselves, it's great for just like sealing any kind of like cut off and keeping it clean. Um, I mean, there are, there are a few. I'm, I normally have about three or four lip yeah. balms on the go. <laughs> um, but no, definitely lip balm. Um, hand cream. Yeah. Love hand cream. Again, very boring. <laughs> um, and what else do I love? Always some kind of scent. It normally okay. ends up being the Glossier U. Yeah. And they've done this really cute, like, rollable version. So that's currently, yeah, one of my must-haves. But, you know, what? I'm going to walk out of here and think... Oh my god! Why didn't I say that? <laughs> that's a, that's a great edit, I would say. <laughs> um, well, listen, Lauren, thank you so much. I know you're super busy with so much going on right now. So thanks for filling us in um, for the podcast. For the listeners, um, what an inspirational conversation! If we'd like to follow your journey, find out more, latest things coming up, where can we find you? Um, well, you can see me on the British Vogue website. Yes. I'm often. Um, well, actually, I. I I have a weekly column so you can see what I'm loving in the week. Um, otherwise, you can um, look at my Instagram and my handle is at Laura Murdoch Smith without the hyphen in between Murdoch and Smith. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Really great to have you here and I'm sure we will see you again very soon. Thank you so much. <laughs>